Welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Winter Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of this guide under Leader Tools at northcoastchurch.com groups. So let's join Pastor Dave Enns now as he introduces this week's material. Greetings, leaders, and welcome to week number five of Life Groups. Hey, a couple things just to remind you that are coming up is Serve Your City. Next week, you will get an email, begin explaining those details, and again, I will be sharing with you also about that. We're excited about uh, how that's going to all work itself coming the month of April. Also, social, you should have that planned and or service project for this quarter. Again, you can check your leader's guide for options. And then also, you should have gotten an email this last week about our whitewater trip offered for leaders and hosts. My wife and I, Karina, again, are going to be taking a group of you. This will be your adventure vacation. Check the details out. We think it's going to be a fantastic time. Limited space, but again, um, we're excited about it. So get signed up for that. And thank you again for submitting your attendance to us each week. That is so helps us to know what's going on with your groups. And then finally, a reminder, continue to mix up, not mixing them up, but to change up actually how your group meets, dividing into men only, women only uh, at the end of the end of your meeting or moving them into groups of four for different discussions and questions. Again, that will help you, again, add variety to your group and uh, keep, help keep your focus and make sure you take plenty of time to get prayer requests and be able to uh, interact with your people on that. Your your connection time is as important as your discussion time. Hey, well, I'm going to turn it over now to Scott Horner, and Scott is going to take you through this week's Homework Helps. Here's Scott. Hey guys, Scott here. I am so honored and excited about this week's homework, especially after what an incredible, incredible message that Jesus gives really, right? And this hope and this gift and this possession that we get to have uh, all because of him. So uh, we're just going to jump right into this leader's guide here. So that the my story questions, what was your first response when you heard Chris say that Jesus is the answer to every question? And then that kind of follow up, if you told someone else that answer, what do you think their response might be? Let's be honest, like this, this thought, this answer, like, oh, Jesus is the answer to every question. Like it, it can feel like a very poorly thought out answer to some really hard questions at times. It's like one of those things that we can say to someone um, without really expressing the care and compassion that Jesus himself calls us to. So you might be surprised by some of the responses here. Some people might be like, oh man, it was like super encouraging. Other people might be like, yeah, that's like just massively confusing. I don't see how Jesus is actually the answer to every question. Hopefully, in listening to the sermon, um, we got some context that that helps us bridge that a little bit. But just that first response is just like a really cool way to kind of feel out just some things about, man, how we as Christians reflect Christ even to, to our culture. Second one there is John 3, 16 is quite possibly the most well-known verse in the Bible. I mean, have you ever seen the reference or even John 3.16 posted or displayed outside of a church setting? And then kind of, hey, if so, what are some creative ways uh, that you've you've seen it? And then maybe how has your perspective changed on this verse after hearing this week's sermon? Uh, a kind of cool, cool 
just timing co- coincidences that, you know, this, this weekend was the Super Bowl. And so without a doubt, there would be someone probably standing somewhere behind a field goal with 316 or John 316, or maybe on under kind of their eye paint, like 316, right? And so this is what they're referring to. And so just kind of asking that question, just get people thinking, get people talking, and then even kind of bringing in some of the depth of how this weekend, as we walked through this passage and just uh, the reality of the weight behind that verse, uh, just in some of the magnitude there. So really fun question. We're going to move now to the digging deeper. So this is just like where we're trying to go, right? Uh, man, talking about the good news of Jesus and how it changes everything, not just our personal salvation about like getting to heaven, but it's like so much more of that, right? Like, so these ideas of like our, our finances, our, our families, our singleness, like anything that we are wrestling with, like Jesus the, in the gospel really changes these things, but it does deal with our sin and, and in a far greater way than we, we realize, right? So this sin isn't just an action. Sometimes we try to think that we can control, but it's this power really that distorts our relationship with God. We see that in scripture. It's breaking our relationship and fracturing the way that we can just be with him. See, and and he doesn't just want to save us from our sin. He wants to transform us through it and and make us new. And so we're going to dig into Romans 8 and see how that goes. The first question is just sometimes we can get stuck in an area and believe there is no hope of change for us. As you read Romans uh, 8, 1 through 4, circle the ways that the gospel has changed us, right? Some of these things that hopefully are being kind of brought to the surface are that we're no longer condemned, that we're free from sin and death. We're made righteous now, and we're, we're given this spirit, these incredible things that really we get to identify as. Next question uh, there is, we can fall into thinking that because we sin, we're still sinners, but the gospel changes that. What aspect of the above passage is most difficult for you to believe about yourself? Yeah, man, this is, if I'm honest, this is one of those things that I wrestle with still. And and maybe you do, maybe someone in your group does, but we are new creation. Some additional scriptures you want to, might want to look at is first Corinthians six, 10 through 11. In 2 Corinthians 5 through 17, right? So we, we were these things, but now we're new. We are, we're justified. We're bought. We're, we're new creations. This can be honestly one of the most difficult things to believe about the gospel, that we're made new, that we're no longer sinners. Now we might sin, we might wrestle with sin, we might struggle with sin, but we don't need to identify as our sin, right? Like I am, I am made complete and whole now in Christ. And so really helping our group and helping even ourselves maybe step into that could be really life shifting and changing. Uh, can you think of any ways a new identity in Christ, this is the next question, could change the way you think about areas of struggle in life? Let this be an uplifting conversation, allowing some different voices and people to reflect on it could be really encouraging and really powerful. Now, for sure, some people might not have anything to share, and that's okay, Uh, while others might share some really uh, current struggles or some massive shifts in their thinking. That's kind of tied to the above question as well. And so like, what does that, this is just an additional question you might want to, you want to throw in there or not. Um, how does the concept of freedom play out in your commitment to follow Jesus? So like now that you're free from these things, no longer have a hold of you, how does it help um, play out uh, your, your following Christ? 
kind of next train of thought. So this first train of thought is talking about who we are now that we're we're free from sin and, and bondage, right? So like, how does Jesus like talk about sin and free us from these places to now? How do we work through this? Um, as you read Romans 8, 5 through 17, write down two lists. One, with everything that you see the Spirit offers, and then the other with the difficulties that we struggle against. You might want to break this reading into like have different people read. It's a pretty larger passage. And so maybe getting two or three different readers to kind of help uh, walk through that could just um, add to the conversation there if you guys read it together. But there's going to be a ton of things that are listed under what the Spirit offers us and then a ton listed under struggles, like ways that we are struggling against uh, difficult things. And like, just let that list really resonate uh, with each of us. An additional thought and maybe question that, that ties to it is that this is a response to Romans 7, right? Romans 8, it rightfully so, makes sense. It's a response to Romans 7. And, and specifically, uh, where Paul is kind of giving us a glimpse into his mind where he's saying, man, I, I don't do the things that I want to do and I do the things that I don't want to do. And so he's offering us here in Romans 8 this solution. And it, part of it is just like fixing our, our minds on the things of, of God and the things of the Spirit. And so then kind of even tying in a thought that has, it, have, has there ever been an area of life that no matter what you do, things just don't seem to get better? Like, do you ever feel hopeless in those places? And then what's Paul's solution? Well, what's actually, what's the gospel solution in that, that we see in Romans 8, 5 through 17? Just a really cool way to make that maybe touch our lives a little bit more specifically. Um, and then just allowing kind of the individual to maybe take one of those things. Like, so if you guys have broken up, um, and maybe into some smaller groups, uh, three or four would be a cool way of doing that. Just allowing more people as they walk through their list, have like some smaller conversations on the side instead of going through it as one big, uh, one big group could really allow, uh, more voices to be heard maybe coming back together and allowing one or two people share, but just allowing a conversation to come alongside um, your group there. Have you ever seen anyone in your life work through an area of sin well? If so, what did they do which stuck out to you? So just gaining wisdom and encouragement from looking at people who have navigated things well in their lives. Um, pretty cool there. Uh, and then last question in our digging deeper section is, has there ever been a moment when you suddenly realized that something you were doing was sinful? And how have you seen the spirit guide you through that area in your life. So just kind of one of those things, sometimes we can be really surprised. We're in the middle of a conversation. We say something that's rude and it catches us like, Ooh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, the, the hope is that the spirit draws awareness to those places and then moves us through there. And so just, that's an example. You might be, there might be a variety of examples. I don't, I don't, I don't expect it. Maybe it will uh, have some deeper uh, areas of sin, but most of the time we're pretty aware of the bigger things in our lives. And we're always caught off guard when, when the spirit draws our attention to something smaller. So even that realization is a work of the spirit, which is pretty cool. There. Last uh, section that we're going to talk about is that taking it home. And this is a really cool, and this is very specific for us as individuals to kind of process through. Is there a question you've been wrestling with lately? Uh, and how can you apply the answer Jesus to that question this week? So I, I hope that as a leader, you would reinforce that this question 
is for us to ask ourselves personally. It isn't the answer we give to other people who are coming to us with difficult stuff. Like, oh, Jesus is just the answer, right? Jesus is just the answer. Like, we don't want to just give fluffy answers uh, to people that might be wrestling with some really difficult and broken areas. Like, man, why did my mom die? Or why do I have cancer? Or why did I just go bankrupt? Or, oh, Jesus is the answer. Like, that, that kind of feels cheap. And it's not exactly what what we mean when we say Jesus is the answer. But so for us in this context, with this week's sermon under our belt, with this processing this life group homework together, we want to look at it through the lens of what Jesus has done for us and how that meets us with whatever question we might be asking. And so don't get stuck on, oh, Jesus as the answer, but the lens at which Jesus invites us to consider the question that we might be asking. So whether it is our finances, whether it is our marriage, whether it is our job, whether it is child raising or our singleness, whatever these areas are, if we look at it from the perspective of what Jesus uh, invites us into relation relationally with him, how does it change the way that we handle or look at our finances? How does it change the way that we enter into relationship with our our spouse or with our child? Or how do we even enter into our singleness and recognizing that that too is even a gift from God? And so these are just some uh, things to chew on, maybe help you navigate some of your discussion time with your group. I hope you guys have a great week discussing the greatest message ever given and that this gives you a little bit of track to run on as far as how this has changed now our relationship um, with God because of what Christ has done and how he now transforms us through the work of his spirit. Awesome. We'll see you guys next time.